Welcome back to Monsters and Mixers. We are your host. I am Amy. And I am Emma. And today we have a really awesome episode. I've been wanting to do this one for a long time. It's on Bobby Mackey's. So if you've not heard of it, we're going to tell you about it. It's known as one of the most haunted bars in America. You're getting two paranormal pods back to back. Yep. Because I've just... Life happens. Yeah. <laughs> just had a lot going on been a very busy past two weeks. Yeah. And uh, we have a very easy drink for you this week. I'm actually not drinking a whole lot today, and this sounded nice and refreshing. So it's a strawberry sparkling wine. Super duper easy. Get your favorite sparkling wine. Clean and cut some strawberries. Add sugar to taste and let those sit in the fridge for like an hour. And then you take a couple teaspoonfuls and put them in the bottom of your glass and smash them up with like a spatula or a muddler. Just kind of get them broken up and then pour some of the juice in and pour in your sparkling wine and there you go. So I made Emma and I both one and they are delicious. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, super good. I think it might be my go-to for summer. <laughs> Did I influence yes, that our drink choice with the song earlier? Emma and I were rocking out to strawberry wine when I made <laughs> um, hot wings earlier. So decided that would be a very nice nightcap because we're doing this actually a lot later than we typically do yeah we're a little late in the week too mm -hmm. well no we usually try to use sundays wednesdays yeah, or sundays the other one was wednesday it's fine don't <sighs> expect perfection from us we no. are not perfect we are out here trying to live our actual lives and do this on the side so T tends to be a little bit more of a full-time job some weeks mm -hmm. we shall see if you are listening tonight on sunday when we're recording there's a full lunar eclipse tonight. Step outside and check it out. Make sure yeah, the moon was super full last night. Yeah. If you have any stones that need charged, I think <laughs> now would be stones. a good time. Yeah. But, okay. Also known as crystals. Crystal stones. Some are stones. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna go ahead and get into the spooky stuff. And like I said, Bobby Mackey's is one of the most popular nightclubs in Wilder, Kentucky. But it also has a dark and seedy past. Some even go as far as to say the sinister deeds carried out there continue to feed the extreme paranormal activity that still goes on today. And there is quite an extensive history of this building. We're planning a trip this summer to go check it out because you can do paranormal tours. And you can just go there and hang out and um, have drinks. But I think I prefer to just do the paranormal I think stuff. I'd prefer to just do the <laughs> drinks. Well, we can do both. So... Um, and Olive, our ginger kitty, is incredibly vocal right now. We're not sure what her problem is. So if you hear her, we apologize. She's trying meerkatting. I'm yeah. not sure what's going on. She's trying to come up and join us while we record. Yeah, yeah. so that's not an EVP. That's Olive, who's now on the table <laughs> trying to drink wine. I don't know what's going on with her. Okay, back to Bobby Mackey's. <clears throat> the site of Bobby Mackey's was originally a slaughterhouse and meat packing facility back in the 1850s. To dispose of the blood and guts of the animals, a well was dug in the lowest part of the building. This well would later become a gathering place for satanic cults. And they were said to have met there and performed sacrificial rituals. It is speculated that after the slaughterhouse closed in 1890, both animals and humans were ritualistically murdered here and offered as sacrifices to the devil. Which is pretty creepy. It's metal. 
1890, that's pretty early for all that to be happening, mm -hmm. too. One such victim may have been Pearl Bryan, who was a 22-year-old pregnant woman from Greencastle, Indiana, who had just begun working as a Sunday school teacher. Pearl had been in a relationship with a man named Scott Jackson, who attended Ohio College of Dental Surgery. Jackson became very unhappy when Pearl told him she was pregnant. He convinced her to come to Cincinnati, which is just a few miles away from the slaughterhouse. And he said he was going to perform an abortion for her, which I'm not sure if dental school prepares you for that, but um, probably not. Scott Jackson neglected to tell her that he and his friend, Alonzo, were the ones going to be doing it. He had told her originally, come here, we'll have and get you an abortion. So I don't think she would have willingly gone knowing that Scott and Alonzo were going to be doing it. Of course, neither of the men had any actual medical training in the field of administering abortions, and it did not go well. So, Pearl's abortion was catastrophic. She began to lose a lot of blood. The men panicked and decided the best bet was to kill her. Oh yeah, gosh. instead of just getting her help and calling an horrible. actual medical professional. Yeah. So very um, relevant to the times. It is very relevant to the times. This is where the story gets a little bit conflated. Some speculate that Scott and Alonzo cut Pearl's head off. Oh my and, gosh. Trigger yeah. warning. Sorry. <laughs> Lord. Um, cut her head off and ditched her body in a field not too far from the slaughterhouse because they did not want her to be identified. Others say Scott was involved with a satanic cult. Like we had mentioned before, this was a hotbed for that kind of stuff. And he killed her and used her head in a ritual in the basement of the slaughterhouse. No matter the reason, Pearl died at the hands of the two men, and the duo would have actually gotten away with the murder and cover-up if they had not left Pearl's shoes on her feet. A shoe dealer was told of the murder and went to the morgue to see the body, which is kind of a weird thing to do, but something, like, compelled him to go. He was like, I feel like well, I need so to go Also, probably, see this. like, given the time period... In it being such a small town, like if I'm assuming there probably weren't many shoe dealers in the area, so he probably would know like who he sold what to. Yeah, maybe. He um, knew a lot of people on the police force, so he was able to actually go back and see the body. And when he viewed her, he noticed a few key details. So he noticed number one that the head had been removed very cleanly and precisely. And the shoes had identifiable numbers that could be used to find out where they were purchased. Because of this, the police were able to speak with the store owner who then identified the purchaser as Pearl. Had Louis Pook not gotten involved, the detective may have continued to believe that the headless woman was just merely a prostitute who was killed because of a bad run-in with a John. That's kind of the thing they were running off of at that time. And also, the incision being so clean and smooth was brought up at the murder trial. That was one of the ways that they got them convicted, because having the dental training, even though they weren't equipped to do the abortion, know it definitely to, yeah. was a medically clean... It's kind cut. of like the whole Jack the Ripper thing. Like People think he had to have a medical background just because of how clean and precise he was with right. things. Yeah. Um, I, the incision, like I said, was really clean. Both men, since they were dental dental students, they would have been able to do this. Uh, when the coroner performed the autopsy, another trigger warning, they found that Pearl had actually been drugged with heavy amounts of cocaine and she was decapitated while she was still alive. 
It was awful. So, yeah. And I kind of found that really strange that they drugged her with a lot of cocaine because I wouldn't think that would make you incapacitated and I would think that that would be kind of counterintuitive to performing a surgery. Why would you give somebody cocaine instead of some kind of a narcotic to that suppresses? Do they think they gave it to her be like to help with the pain of the abortion or do you think they gave it to her like after it was botched? Like what do they think? They didn't say. But I would think that they would have given her something other than cocaine for surgery. Well, these two don't seem very bright. No. So you would also I would also think that, but yeah, that's a little odd. Yeah. I'm, unless that Were was they the like only that they had. I don't there was no mention of that. I don't know. And the time frame doesn't seem to really fit. Who knows? Um both Scott and Alonzo both claimed their innocence and said they did not know where Pearl's head was. Um, thankfully, both men were convicted of first-degree murder and put to death. It is said that both men survived the initial drop, and they slowly strangled to death. But that was not before Alonzo Walling made a vow to haunt the area for all time, which is a very strange thing to decree on your deathbed. Sadly, Pearl's head was never found. They still, to this day, have not found it and her family had to bury her headless body in their family cemetery, which is just a really sad thing to have to do. You know, 22 year old daughter, you can never even properly bury her whole entire body. I don't get it. Um, the slaughterhouse sat empty until it was demolished in the early 20th century. Eventually in the 1920s, a new building was built just in time for prohibition to kick in. During this period, the building was used as a nightclub, speakeasy, and casino, and catered to many of the mobsters in the area. The building got new life again when E.A. Brady, a.k.a. Buck, bought the building and named it the Primrose. He did such a great job of running the building, and this actually made me kind of chuckle, just picturing the scene in my head, that the Cincinnati mob decided they wanted the business all to themselves. And Buck said, fuck that, and refused to sell to them, and that escalated things to this really violent peak and drove Buck to desperate measures. He pulled a gun on Albert Red Masterson, who was a big-time mobster who had been threatening customers in the parking lot. So they're out in the parking lot yelling and screaming, and Buck pulls a gun on him. Didn't work so great for Buck, and he actually was charged with attempted murder, and eventually he just walked away from the casino and surrendered surrendered it to the mob. They then took over, the mob took over the business and used the club to conduct their business. Rumors of bodies being thrown down, a trap door for disposal, and a makeshift cell in the basement are just a few of the legends from the days the mob had control of the building. So the mob did lots of mob things, mob <laughs> things there. And actually in a lot of the videos that I watched on Bobby Mackey's, there's bullet holes in a lot of the doors from way back in the day. Like these really old doors have bullet holes where I guess they had shootouts inside the basement. Dance spider dance. <laughs> yeah. Aw, poor spider. In the 1950s, a nightclub called the Latin Quarter opened up in the building. And one of the dance hall girls named Johanna was the daughter of the owner and was said to wear rose scented perfume. She fell madly in love with one of the singers, Robert Randall. The two began a relationship, and soon Johanna got pregnant. So, got two pregnant women, both on this premises. When her father found out about the relationship and the pregnancy, he was furious. And he used his criminal connections to put a hit out on Robert. So, he had him killed. 
Heartbroken and devastated when she found out about Robert's death, Johanna poisoned her father and then killed herself. Gosh. Lots and lots of things. So also, the, how like weird do you have to be to be so angry that your daughter is pregnant that you want to murder her boyfriend? Right? I don't know. I think that Very he had some, I think he had some anger issues. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, the nightclub continued on until in 1978 when it was forced to close due to a string of fatal shootings. The local authorities were naturally unhappy with the rough crowd that the bar brought to town, and so they said, nope, forget it, we're done. Not too long after that, Bobby Mackey bought the building and turned it into Bobby Mackey's. And it's still Bobby Mackey's today. So, is it a strange coincidence or destiny? I'm going to let you decide. Bobby Mackey's full name is Robert Randall Mackey. Just like Robert Randall, the guy who was murdered. Yeah, that's odd. I feel like that was some serendipitous coincidence, to say the least. Um, so... Since Bobby Maggie bought the bar and turned it into a honky-tonk, paranormal activity has steadily occurred. The activity has been crazy enough that there was a sign posted above the entry that reads, Warning to our patrons, this establishment is haunted. Management is not responsible for any, uh, re not responsible, cannot be held liable for any actions of any ghosts or spirits on these premises. That's a little daunting to mm -hmm. walk into a building and have that be on there. Also kind of cool. It is kind of Like, cool. I feel like if I owned a business that had crazy um, paranormal activity, I'd definitely play into it. Yeah. And that's, oh, people travel to go to this mm -hmm. place, so they're going to see that on the door, they're going to be like, ooh, yeah, it's here we go. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. on. I think that's cool. It is pretty cool. Just like people who put haunted signs when they're trying to sell their haunted houses. Yeah, New Orleans haunted, not haunted. Yeah, people love that shit. Yeah. People oh. go out of their way to look for haunted houses to buy, so. Which is really strange. I actually was looking, because you know we're going... To New Orleans for a few different trips this um, summer, and I looked up some haunted Airbnbs, and I found a really cool one that I think I'm going to try and stay in. Yeah, that's going to have to be the trip that I'm not a part of. <laughs> it is the trip that you're not a part of. But my poor father. It's our anniversary trip. He said, "Find a room." I said, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I will take this one." So we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to tell you about the numerous paranormal reports from Bobby Mackey. It's guest and investigators all have pretty similar tales to tell. So we'll see you in a sec. Good. All right, so we are back to talk about the paranormal encounters that have happened at Bobby Mackey's. Some still believe the building's basement holds the gateway or a portal to hell itself. And when people go down there to investigate, rocks and pebbles are thrown at them as they pass by. And this is also where the well is located. So people report hearing growls and getting extremely dizzy in this space. And that's been like a common thing that's happened. The stairs near the well in the old slaughterhouse have been deemed quote, the stairs that lead to nowhere. And people hear phantom footsteps going up and down the stairs all the time. Why are they called the stairs that lead to nowhere? Do they actually lead to nowhere? Yeah. It doesn't lead to anything? Mm -mm. And then a really creepy story. There was a former caretaker, Carl, who <laughs> lived in his most <laughs> caretaker name ever. <laughs> <Yes>. Carl. <laughs> so Carl lived in an upstairs apartment 
and he had some pretty significant substance abuse problems, um, but he didn't really have them before he started working there, so it's unclear if his experiences led him to try and, like, you know, kind of dull down some of the things. He claims that he was demonically possessed when he was there. He said that one night while he was bathing, he felt two hands grab his shoulders and try to push him underwater, which would be scary as hell. Yeah, I definitely would not want to be living there. Because you hear about that kind of often. I feel like we've watched multiple, like, paranormal haunting things where, like, caretakers live above, like, haunted hotels or, like, haunted bars and stuff like that. They, like, go insane. Yeah. Because everyone else gets to leave, but, like, you work and live there, so you're just trapped there 24-7. And a lot of negative entities, too, the longer you're exposed to it, the worse it is for corrupting your mind. He said after that encounter, he really began to feel affected by a negative entity, an entity that he thought was demonic. He actually had an exorcism performed in the club by a minister, and it is interesting that Carl says he discovered the well after he had a vision. Like, no one knew that the well was there pr prior to Bobby Mackey's buying it. Like, it wasn't something that the mobsters used or any of that stuff. Like, after the slaughterhouse. Like floor plans yeah, or anything. It had been covered up when they built the new building. And Carl had a vision that there was a well, and he literally went down to the basement and started, like, breaking up the floor and found the well. Which, to me, adds a little bit of credibility to him saying that he was definitely being influenced by something there. Because how else would he have known to go down and dig for a well? Mm -hmm. um, I'd probably be pissed at Carl when I, like, come to my business in the next day and he's uncovered this friggin' God knows what well. And I'd be like, Carl, what portal did you just right. open? Yeah, especially when he was having visions and feeling yeah. like he was being drowned. Another patron claims to have experienced suffocating heat and had a trash can flying, flew at them, it like got thrown at them, and saw a man with a handlebar mustache repeating, die game, die game, which is Latin for dying well, dying good. And so this guy's seen in the bathroom, this man with the mustache. And then it's a really sad story. Bobby Mackey's wife actually claims to have been overcome by this scent of roses in the basement. She was grabbed around the waist, picked up, thrown down, um, pushed down the stairs. And she said that it resembled the sketches she'd seen of um, Alonzo Walling, the guy who murdered Pearl and claimed to haunt the land forever. And he was telling her to get out and get out. And she, to this day, will not go back in the club. She's like, nope, I am not going in there. I am good. I wouldn't either. No, and Bobby himself, He's kind of a skeptic and says he's never experienced anything. But she's like, hell no. There's definitely something here and I'm something not going in there. Yeah, physically threw me down the stairs. Yeah, like, there's a big difference between like seeing and hearing things and then being like physically affected right. by something. And I think she got pretty significantly injured when she was thrown down the stairs. Um, there are a lot of historic photos of Pearl Bryan and they match witnesses, descriptions of a headless ghost dressed in turn-of-the-century clothing. Which is really sad. Poor Pearl doesn't even have her head in the afterlife. I don't like that. No, that is sad. Yeah. Um, and there are photos of Buck also matching descriptions of ghosts that are seen around. So there's quite a few different spirits that they think are around there. People claim to feel a cat rubbing against their legs, which is not quite scary. I would be okay with that. 
in the bathroom, people hear a female voice saying, Yoo-hoo, I'm here. And a female can also be heard humming and singing throughout the building. I'm not sure if that would be Johanna, maybe. Yoo-hoo! hoo <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Um, since she was a singer, maybe that's her. Some of the more active hotspots in the club include the spotlight room and catwalk over the stage. And the well in the basement, of course. And the old china room and the platform area near the kitchen. People have also claimed to see ghosts in the big pitted mirror in the main room. The club manager claims that on several occasions she would go through the club and make sure everything was turned off and closed down for the night. Then hours later when she finished up working in her office, she would find that the bar lights were on. The front doors were unlocked. And this part is so creepy. And the jukebox would be playing the anniversary waltz, even though that song is not on the jukebox. And the jukebox was unplugged. Yeah, and the jukebox is unplugged. So that's like some shining shit right there. It's kind of sweet. I mean, why the anniversary waltz? No one got married there. I don't know, maybe. I mean, how do we know that? Maybe back in the day someone could have uh, maybe. married there. I guess I'm, yeah, maybe I'm just perpetrating <laughs> lies. Who knows? Another... I would just be scared with the doors unlocked, especially if you're like a woman closing yeah. down a club by yourself and then like you lock all the doors to lock yourself inside and go finish up your work and you come out and everything's unlocked and all the lights are on again yeah i would yeah. think i first thought wouldn't even be ghosts i'd be like i'm getting got uh-huh. like i'm about to get <laughs> robbed right now i'm gonna be a really dumb robber turn the lights on first yeah. i'd assume that they were gonna so try and end me if they did that and then the lights will go off <laughs> three times <coughs> excuse me my god Another club employee has seen a dark, very angry man behind the bar and a spirit who actually called herself Johanna. Um, she would often speak to the man and leave, or yeah, speak to him and leave the scent of roses in her wake. Because you know how she wore the rose-scented perfume? That's a lot of roses in this place. I feel like I need a um, signature scent, so if I do indeed turn into a ghost, people will know it's me. I feel like that's not really a thing much anymore. You know, like, women back in the day, like, they... I mean, we all like to smell good, but, like, women back in the day, like, prided themselves heavily in, like, smelling, like, powder or, like, roses or flowers or whatever. That's because so they didn't like, shower quite as often as I feel as like when you now. hear about, like, old-timey... Oh, my gosh. Being interrupted. <laughs> Between the cats and the tuberculosis <laughs> clinic over there. Swear to God. Um, We're gonna have to get a, our own place, Emma. Yeah. But like, you hear about, like, a lot of old-timey ghosts specifically being the ones that, like, lavender and leave scents. Yeah. Well, I want to leave a scent. I want some... I want some smells. Actually, I don't want to be a ghost. I don't want to die. <laughs> I want to live forever and be, like, the 122-year-old lady that we saw had a birthday today. 128. So, 128. Say happy birthday to the world. Her name's Joanna, too. Oh, my gosh. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just weird. <laughs> All right. Back to the creepy stuff. Um, heavy footsteps are heard behind the stage and on the dance floor, and they have really heavy wooden chairs that are heard scooting back and forth on their own. A male full-body apparition is often seen leaning against the pool table, and he is described the exact same by everyone who sees him, and they have no idea who he is. So just some random spirit transient. Which, with the well and everything being below it, you know, water's really big conductor of energy and mm -hmm. attractor of spirits so maybe they do have some spirits that kind of just flow through that aren't necessarily attached to the building or 
the mob was known to have killed people in the building, so who knows how many people were unidentified that met their end. There. Well, I mean, not only that, but you just said that all the people that they think were sacrificed. Right. You have no idea how many people, like, have crossed the that place's path. Yeah, I'm kind of talking myself out of going. <laughs> nah. I'm kind of getting, getting a little scared. Um, one of the tour guides stated that one night after her tour had ended, all the doors and windows shook violently like someone was banging on them. And so she stuck her head out of the area she was at to see because she thought somebody was, like, you know, messing with her. And there was literally no one there. And this, I don't believe this area is prone to earthquakes and no more reported. So that would have been really scary. Um, there was a bishop interviewed on one of the videos I watched, and he literally said he believed that there was a really bad demon in the building, and he cautioned people to not go in at all, and definitely not go in and do their investigations, or they might have a negative attachment follow them home. Portals to Hell, which is one of my favorite shows. If you do not know anything about it out there in the world, it's really good. The hosts are Katrina Weedman and Jack Osborne, who's the son of the Prince of Darkness himself, Ozzy Osborne. And saying that, like when it first came out, I kind of expected Jack to be kind of hokey and like really capitalize on who his dad was, but that's not the case at all. He's very professional in his investigations and does a really super good job. And I think they are really good at debunking things too. Like if something happens, they don't immediately jump to, hey, it's a ghost. Can you stop licking yourself by our <laughs> microphone? <sighs> Not me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the orange one strikes again. So they wanted to go and investigate because they had been told about this really significant uptick in paranormal activity that just started happening again. And when they interviewed the tour guide, she said people had been getting scratched and had really a lot of people have been having things thrown at them and recently there had been reports that they were taking evil entities and attachments home with them when they left she also said that during a tour a participant climbed down to the well area this guy was fucking crazy took out razor blades and a ouija board then began slicing his hands up and rubbing the blood on the walls to try and summon a spirit or a demon can you imagine being a tour guide and some guy just starts freaking slicing himself up and rubbing no. his dirty... guarantee she does not get paid enough to have to no. deal with whatever the hell that was. Yeah. And like I said, the Portals to Hell crew are really good at trying to debunk things. So they actually were like, there's no way. That's got to be a bullshit story. That did not happen. So they took one of those special enzymes and sprayed it all, all over the walls and used the black light. And there were large, significant amounts of blood residue on the walls. Um, after their investigation, both Jack and Katrina received phone calls from unrelated friends. So Jack was at his place, Katrina was at hers, and they both got phone calls from their friends who are mediums. And they, their friends were like, hey, um, I don't know what's going on with you, but I just was told by like my spirit guides I needed to reach out to you. You've been around something really negative. I'm really worried about you. Are you doing some investigation? And they were both like, uh, yeah, what the hell? So they were kind of freaked out. And then a few days later, they both ended up in separate ERs for separate unrelated like events. So they definitely thought that something had happened where they were carrying some Followed. negativity around. Yeah. And then our good old friend, Zach Bagans, if you don't know. Friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. 
our buddy Zach, who, if you do not know, is the host, one of the hosts of Ghost Adventures. He recorded a video on April 11th, 2021, talking about his experiences at Bobby Mackey's. And he said the things that scared him the most are the reasons why he would not return there. That it was just too much. And the reasons he gave were that he and Aaron, who you guys know our love for Aaron, <laughs> um, were both physically and mentally slash emotionally attacked when they were there. And that it lingered with them for quite a while and had significant impacts on both of their lives. Um, Zach, there's actually a, a video um, from the show where Zach is like recorded saying something and everybody's like, what Zach, what? He was in like a completely different area of the building at the time and was not speaking. So like something was mimicking Yeah, so some kind of doppelganger mimic thing going on. Um, he saw dark shadow figures in his home after the visit. Um, things were thrown around his house and his friends were also attacked. So he thought that the entity was so strong that it actually was able to transfer from just having been around him to people in his life. And sadly, this investigation is known as one of the most significant turning points in Aaron Goodwin's life. Aaron, um, who is literally my personal favorite on Ghost Adventures, wrote about his experiences on his blog. And he said that after, because they investigated twice, and I'm not sure why they would have ever gone back after the things that happened to him the first time, but maybe it's one of those, kind of like us in the Ouija board, just want to confirm what happened. After the first investigation of Bobby Mackey's in 2018, both he and his now ex-wife were deeply affected by something that Aaron believes he brought Her home. first investigation was in 2018? Um, I believe so. That's what it said, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Went back twice in four years? I'm pretty sure that Zach had his prison glasses when they went, so it had to be, like, later on in the show. Check. Maybe I got it wrong, but I don't think so. Um, so... One of the ways they were both really impacted is that they would have the exact same nightmare at the exact same time. And they would both wake up screaming and panting and yelling at the same moment every night. And describe to each other, like, this is what just happened. And they're like, oh my God, that's what happened to mine. And then they could like pick up where one part of the story left off. They could fill it in for each other. His ex-wife would have nightmares about things that happened during investigations that she wasn't a part of and she would get it like completely right like she was getting some kind of like telepathy um aaron was plagued by nightmares of an old man with a white beard who was trying to get them both and this was kind of creepy their glass front cabinets glass literally like turned to dust in front of them and he said it wasn't like it broke and shattered and like went into pieces it turned into like an unrecognizable pile of like dust. I'm not even sure what could do that. Glass does not turn to dust. So no, I'm not at sure. all. Um, they would hear a bunch of terrifying sounds, including what Aaron said was like the kicker for him. And that was the old man talking, like could hear it all the time. The experience and attachment from Bobby Mackey's eventually led to the couple breaking up. And I never knew this until I read this um, in his blog. And the reason why they broke up is because he knew that he was going to continue doing investigations and he was really worried that he was going to bring something home that was going to hurt her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they both still talk and get along and... Yeah, I'm he, pretty sure, like, it was taking physical toll on her. Yeah. 
And he said that to this day, even if he is watching something on TV or reading something about Bobby Mackey's or when they do like, you know, their little, put what, what's the one where they sit and they watch their old videos. And, yeah, like the archive one. Yeah. Um, and then talk Top about 10 it. 10 or something. Yeah. But he said anytime he's reading or watching or doing any of that, she actually calls him and says, hey, are you okay? Because I got this really bad feeling. Are you doing something related to Bobby Mackey's? And he's like, yup. She's like, stop. I, it's just some kind of connection. Mm -hmm. um, and I have no idea, but she always asks him, are, are you in danger or something wrong? Like, because she can feel like something's physically, like, coming after him, which I think is really crazy. So I did look it up. Um, they actually visited Bobby Mackey's season one, episode two. So maybe the second time. The they second went time they went was 2010. Oh, well, what the hell? So I think maybe he meant that that 2018 was when they separated. Possibly. Um, or maybe he just like. Or maybe that's when they started getting affected. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it, it said it the wrong. return to Bobby Mackey's aired on October first, 2010. That was the second time they went. Maybe it was supposed to be a zero, and I typed an eight. Maybe. I apologize for my sloppy reporting. <laughs> well, I'm assuming Jeez. he probably just copied it from his blog, so maybe it was just a typo. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We've got coughing, cats, isn't it, yeah. poor isn't it, uh, isn't it kind of weird that, like, all of these people who come from, like, the outside have these crazy experiences, but, like, Bobby Mackey himself, who I'm assuming probably spends 12 hours in that place a day, if he's, like, the owner of Well, he also performs, because he's a country music Yeah, singer. like, he's there very often... It hasn't had anything happen to him? Unless he just, I don't know. Some people aren't susceptible, I don't think. Do you think the people who are non-believers, like, aren't able to be affected by spirits? No, because isn't, like, the whole premise of uh, Ghost Adventures is that Zach, like, lived a good portion of his life not believing in anything until he came, like, face-to-face -face with something that changed his whole perception of... Yeah, but I think some people are so closed off and stubborn about that kind of stuff that... Maybe even if they did have it smack him in the face, they would deny it. So who knows? Maybe he hasn't had his anything. His wife or... is like, hell yeah. no. <laughs> yep. Nope, not doing it. Can't blame her. I mean... No, what are you staring at? I think my glass is cracked. Oh, oh no. It's our podcast glasses. We've got several others. It'll be okay. It's always crazy to me when, like, buildings have been around for so long and they've been so many different things. Mm-hmm. Like when you see like apartment buildings that were once like an orphanage. Yeah. It's like crazy to me that one structure could have been so many different things. Well, the Anne Rice apartments that was an orphanage in New Orleans and then she bought it and made it into a house for herself. And then when she sold it, they made it into like three of the most posh freaking apartments in the universe. Yeah. If I ever get insanely wealthy, I'm buying the whole building and <laughs> it's going to be mine because I love it. So, I think it's cool that yeah. like one structure can have so much history behind it so we will hopefully be going to see bobby mackey's in person in the next month or so and then we'll give you our own little follow-up on what did and didn't happen and hopefully not bring anything knock on wood home with us because we don't need that mess yeah i almost wonder if it'd be better if we just went as like patrons because <laughs> no. i feel like all the people who have things follow them home or like people who go with the intent to like look for things i don't think so i think what she was telling the people for portals to hell was it even just people that go in there were bringing things home with I them she said it was people who are on tours i think it both oh huh. yeah i feel like maybe we should just look drive by just look, <laughs> we just just look on their like google and see what their busiest time is and then we'll go in there because... go at that time <laughs> maybe yeah. so many people around us that 
So maybe we'll get lucky and won't be attached. Let's have to sage ourselves very well. And Before, maybe, after, and during. <laughs> yeah, maybe bring a rosary. All right, well, we hope you enjoyed our trip to the haunted honky-tonk, because that's what it's called. Thanks for listening to the Monsters and Mixers podcast. Please follow us on our socials on Facebook at Monsters and Mixers Pod, on Twitter at Monsters Mixers, and on Instagram at Monsters and Mixers Podcast. Like and follow us on your preferred listening platform. Leave a five-star rating and send us those stories via email at monstersandmixers2 at gmail.com or at one of the socials mentioned. Um, Real quick, I forgot to say that we did have someone send us a message saying that they do, in fact, have seen a ghost with tattoos. So... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just so you know, as a follow-up to our last one where well, we talked about ghosts. With... I don't know if he saw, like, a ghost with tattoos or just saw the tattoo. No, I think it was implied it was a ghost. Okay. Like, for sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not going to out this person because they did not give me permission. But, so see you next time when we dive into another terrifying tale and concoct a new delicious drink to wash down the horror. Now get out there and meet some ghosts. And make some toasts.